everybody, and welcome once again, my friends, to another edition of uh, Primetime Network Classics. And uh, man, we've got a, another great episode. I love doing the raw episodes, the early ones, because, uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's just say they were finding their way uh, with Monday Night Raw. And, uh, you know, it's 1993 when all this is going on. You know, the first uh, episode airs, um, I believe, on January 11th, 1993. And this episode we're going to be doing this week is from February 15th, 1993. So Raw's about a month old at this point. And, uh, man, you, you know, it just even just talking about the year uh, gives me shivers because, uh, well... And this has been argued more than once that uh, it may have been the worst year ever for the WWF. But there were some good things that came out of the year for the World Wrestling Federation. And uh, Monday Night Raw happened to be one of them. Now, as I said, though, it would take a while for them to hit their stride and uh, for it to become the juggernaut that it would and remains. But back then, uh, they were just scrambling, trying to find uh, programming that was going to help with the ratings. Uh, of course, uh, this uh, uh, show, Monday Night Raw, would replace Primetime Wrestling, which had been on for a number of years. And, but they were still, you know, it was kind of a, a gamble in a sense. They didn't really know how people were going to react to it. The idea was to have a small theater where uh, they would, you know, be able to pack a, a huge, a very excited crowd, uh, you know, with a lot, uh, a lot of noise. And uh, the Manhattan Center, which uh, where this was uh, all shot, uh, those early episodes, uh, provided just that uh, type of environment because it was a small theater in a sense. It didn't hold a lot of people, but the seating was right on top of the stage, basically, that they set up there with the ring. So the fans were right next to what was happening. And it really added to the, uh, the atmosphere there, a kind of electric, uh, if I uh, still recall, uh, how how much that uh, that place was just rocking every time they did a show there, and that uh, I was there uh, to experience it. Um, they had an announced team that would evolve. <laughs> it was uh, the, initially it was uh, Vince McMahon, of course, and then the Macho Man Randy Savage, who was in a transition period of his own, uh, kind of lost in the wilderness, hoping to. Uh, uh, you know, continue as a uh, superstar, as someone that uh, would still be in the ring, uh, you know, uh, to great uh, uh, fanfare and, and, and reception. But also Vince thinking, ah, oh, you know, Randy's getting up in the years there. I still value him. I want to maybe perhaps it'll be, he would be a good commentator uh, and also be able to use him when we needed him, which they did a lot because uh, Randy would uh, fill in for guys that would go down. But this is a real strange period uh, for Randy Savage. And uh, as we know uh, in history, that uh, he wasn't happy with that role. And eventually we'd head down south to the WCW and become a big part of that movement. But right now, uh, he is still with the WWF. So uh, once again, this is Monday Night Raw from uh, February 15th, 1993, from the Manhattan Center in New York City. Uh, Vince McMahon, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett are the uh, ones on the mic for this. And they would, as I've talked about before with some of these other shows, they didn't necessarily do play-by-play. -play. Uh, we would uh, you know, shoot these big crowd scenes, and because they wanted control of what they were going to do, with, say, with superstars or you know, some of the other 
shows, they would, uh, you know, shoot them later. But this was this was supposed to be all, you know, live to tape. It was supposed to capture that live uh, atmosphere. And you had your announcers right there on the floor where it was all going on. So that was a big part of this. Rob Bartlett, who was uh, I've talked about before, was the, this comedian who uh, was part of the Don Imus show. And Vince McMahon had heard him and uh, had seen him appear a few times and, and liked him and, and uh, made him laugh. At, uh, so Vince, you know, had a great sense of humor. And he thought that Rob Bartlett would make a uh, great addition. And this is a part of when they would bring talent from the outside but uh, if you heard that episode that we had with Rob Bartlett, he's been on the show a couple of times. You know, Rob did not know a thing about wrestling. And Vince's idea was, well, that's great. It's going to give this, you know, a whole different view, you know, or whatever. Uh, no, it, it did not help Rob out. And, you know, uh, Rob, really, he is a really funny individual. If uh, you don't believe me, just go and find some of his bits on YouTube. Uh, but genuinely a funny guy. Um, but here in many, many, many cases, he falls flat because it's just not his environment. It's just not, uh, you know, uh, you know, comedians make, uh, you know, they, they, they are popular. They're funny because they make fun of people in everyday life. Well, when you try and make fun of already this kind of absurd world, it's, it's very hard, uh, to pull it off unless you're Bobby Heenan who came from a wrestling world and, and knew exactly what worked. Uh, how you work the crowd. Well, Rob never really was uh, comfortable in that role, and eventually he would leave. It didn't take uh, that that long. I think he said uh, he did something like, uh, I don't know, 16 weeks. May have, it may have been longer. But it just wasn't, uh, you know, his thing, although uh, he appreciates it to this day and, and really had a great time and made some great friends, uh, became close to people like... Uh, Randy, and also uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. But uh, Rob would uh, not last. But, you know, he is part of that early history. And as I said, they were trying to, you know, uh, they were experimenting uh, to see what would happen here. Okay, so for this show, uh, they've got um, the Steiner brothers are going to appear. Uh, They're going to take on a couple of uh, enhancement talent uh, in uh, Glenn Ruth and and Bobby Who. Uh, Glenn Ruth would find some success, which we'll talk about as we... uh, as we move on here, Yokozuna at this point in 1993 is getting a, a big push in the WWF. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the huge monster uh, Yoko uh, was uh, in here, this for a matchup, uh, defeated Ross Greenberg. And it was, a, you know, a, a, literally a squash match because if you talk about getting squashed every time you step in the ring with Yokozuna. That's what was going to happen. But it was all to, to uh, push an angle. Uh, with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, which uh, became was short-lived. And um, it's interesting here because, uh, you know, they would end up setting up a match between Yokozuna and Bret the Hitman Hart at WrestleMania 9, which would happen in April, not too many months away, uh, for the WWF, uh, WWF uh, World Championship. And uh, that, of course, if you remember, was a bizarre, a bizarre finish to that WrestleMania. Many people think it was one of the worst WrestleManias ever. And uh, yeah, for good reason. I mean, that that was just uh, horrible the way that ended. And then Hulk Hogan, of course, getting the belt back. And yikes. But that that does play into this show as well. 
Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, also, Razor Ramon, uh, Scott Hall, uh, they have a battle royal, which is this kind of bizarre battle royal with no point to it. Uh, there's no big prize or you get a shot at something. It's just something they wanted to do. And it was supposed to be this 16-man battle royal. And uh, let's see, we've got the participants here were Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon. I got to, you know, it's going to work a couple of things this night. Um, Kamala, Iron Mike Sharp, Bob Backlund is still around. Uh, Kimchi, uh, I assume that was Steve Lombardi. Uh, the Berserker, uh, Tatanka. Owen Hart is also there that night. Uh, Damian Demento, <laughs> El Matador, that's of course Tito Santana, Terry Taylor, Coco Beware, a Typhoon, who's uh, on his own at this point. Uh, Fred is uh, working uh, singles as Typhoon. Uh, Skinner and Giant Gonzalez had uh, arrived on the scene. And they work a very bizarre angle for this with uh, the uh, newly arrived Giant, where they have all the superstars say, you know, they, re- they will refuse to get in the ring if the Giant Gonzalez is involved, which made them all look like wimps. I mean, what? what? I think if you're in the World Wrestling Federation, you are one of the toughest humans on the planet and nobody's going to frighten you does that mean if Andre the Giant would have been there these guys would have said no we're not going to step into the ring so of course it's all to try and push the big giant and uh, he will get involved in this encounter but just very strange that they they came up with this and uh, did this battle royal that lasts a quarter of an hour and then if you'll remember there was also a lot going on now. There was all these rumors that Hulk Hogan was returning. Uh, he had uh, kind of laid low for a while with the whole steroid uh, situation, and then he was out making movies, but uh, that he wanted back in. He wanted to be back on the stage with the WWF. And also during this period of time, now if you remember uh, back in 1990, Brutus the Barber Beefcake had that horrific parasailing accident where he... Uh, literally had his face caved in on July 4th of uh, 1990 and almost died. Uh, you know, we've talked about it many times, but just a horrific accident that, uh, you know, any human being, I mean, it, they, they could have just come back and lived a, a normal life would have been awesome. Well, he's been stepping back into the ring. And uh, on this night, uh, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake is actually going to have a uh, legit match with uh, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, which uh, was the uh, laying of the groundwork here. You know, of course, Ted DiBiase teaming up with IRS, uh, Mike Rotundo for, you know, they became uh, Money, Inc., and then Hulk Hogan coming back and uh, forming the Mega Maniacs with uh, Brutus. And, uh, you know, the two had uh, been friends forever. And uh, Hulk Hogan still had Brutus's back here. Uh, it would be short-lived for uh, both of them, actually. But um, a lot happening, a lot going on in the World Wrestling Federation. And this was also a time when, uh, you know, I left in 1993. And uh, I remember how bad it was. I just remember how bad uh, everything was ha- going on, uh, both internally in the company itself, business-wise, and also uh, storyline-wise and, and superstar-wise. And, uh, you know, there was uh, a lot of uh, defections. A lot of uh, guys were leaving because they were uh, cutting their pay. And a lot of them heading down to the WCW. And we know that that... Uh, 
that mass exodus would lead, of course, to the Monday Night Wars and, uh, and you know, how that all played out. And we won't really get into that <laughs> in this episode that we're about to watch. But I just wanted to lay some background on you and, and just bring back some memories and, uh, you know, have you recall because uh, this is a weird time in the WWF and uh, this uh, episode uh, kind of just, uh, shows off a lot of it, uh, of what uh, the, the WWF is trying to you know, spark something, trying to keep it going. And uh, this is a classic example. So uh, I want to uh, give a shout out here to blogofdoom.com where we got the, the notes for this episode and uh, thank them for their all hard work that they continue to do. But, um, uh, you know, this, this, was, uh, this was a fun episode, uh, to say the least, because, uh, as I said, there's a, there's a lot happening in the World Wrestling Federation, and uh, that, of course, uh, includes many of these superstars that are involved in this show right here. So, with that in mind, uh, it's time for you to, uh, if you haven't done so already, to queue up this episode of WWF Monday Night Raw from February 15th, 1993. Uh, Real easy to do. Just go to the uh, wwenetwork.com. And then, of course, uh, by now, I'm sure you've uh, gotten used to it. But if you haven't, if you're joining us for the first time, there's going to be a banner across the top up there. And you're going to uh, click on In Ring. You're going to click on In Ring, and that is going to... uh, uh, take you to uh, uh, you know all the programming. They have the icons up, and you'll see Raw right there um, at the top. Raw, and uh, you click on that, and then there's going to be a drop down there, and it says most recent. And most recent, when you see the drop down there, you go all the way down to the bottom, 1993, the first year of Monday Night Raw. Click on that, and then uh, scroll down until you find the uh, February 15th, 1993 episode. And as I mentioned when we uh, started this, this is really one of the the early episodes. I think we're uh, four episodes in here. So uh, they are are really just trying to to figure out, uh, you know, what the hell they're doing with this program. And uh, a little side note here, you're going to see throughout the program, uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage has continues to have problems with his microphone. Uh, in this and I don't know if that was a shoot or if it was part of an angle as you will see um, he does something at the end that uh, kind of plays it out so okay so let's take a quick pause here if you're not queued up yet remember uh, uh, go to the network go to in-ring uh, uh, then in-ring programming and then raw uh, click on raw go uh, to most recent uh, go to 1993 and then when that page comes up, scroll all the way down to the bottom and uh, find the uh, February 15th, 1993 episode. Okay? So, quick time out. When you come back, we'll be ready to go. Pause. Alrighty. You're back. And I know you're all queued up, right? So, what do you say we get to it? You know how it works. I three, two, one, and then I say play, and then we go. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. As we start with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And he's saying, you know, I'm 100% healed. Well, as I said, remember it happened in uh, 90. Uh, Then we got Ted DiBiase along with Jimmy Hart, who's starting to do a babyface 
turn here. So uh, I see that the note on here said that the reason he's turning babyface is because he's been doing a lot of uh, PR work for the WWF, and it, and it works better if he were a babyface. He was always great as a heel, though. Come on, who's kidding who? As we start that uh, fantastic animation for WWF Monday Night Raw, this is good stuff, man. This is 1993, folks. Kevin Dunn and uh, the creative team really doing uh, awesome work here. I mean, it all looked great. And here we are. Remember I told you about that electric atmosphere? It's a small theater, but they got it jam-packed. And we're still able to show women off in bikinis. As uh, Vince welcomes everybody in, Rob Bartlett on the left, the macho man on the right, as if I had to tell you. (laughs) And Vince, uh, you know, on the scale of 1 to 10, he's at a 12 as usual. And Macho Man talking about Brutus uh, making the uh, comeback of the Century Award. As he mentioned that uh, Brutus has two two uh, big powers looking over him. That's one is God and the other is, of course, Hulk Hogan. And uh, that was true. <laughs> and he always had, uh, Rob had this gimmick where he would chew gum the whole time and and uh, Vince asked him hey you're going to be in the 16 man battle royal and he says I don't want to ruin the suit okay that kind of didn't get much better from there and we got the Steiner brothers and man these guys were just massive I love their uh, their shoot wrestling gimmick Man, they did. They were not kind to uh, anybody who stepped into the ring. It didn't matter, and and it was worse if you were a jobber. So, as they get going, Steiner brothers. Hmm. And you got Scott Steiner in first. Big arm drag there sends. Uh, his opponent flying across the ring. And just watch how these they just destroy these guys. This is not a, a real long match, just a chance to show off the Steiner brothers. And Macho Man makes first mention that his, oh man, ow, jeez, yeah. I think that was shoot, man. That guy looked like he broke his neck. Jeez. Well, they're not done yet with this guy. And Rick, look at look at just how massive he is, man. These guys are just unbelievable. I don't know who was more brutal, Scott or Rick. That's a <laughs> I think they're pretty much even. But you, t- anybody you talk to that uh, went into the ring with them, it was it was never uh, it wasn't as smooth as butter, as you'd say. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Always a little stiff. And the Nasty Boys talked about you know people you know, a lot of tag teams didn't want to go into the ring with them because they were so damn stiff. But they loved it. You know, give give us all you got, and we'll return the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> 
and they did. And Randy Savage having a, a you know that problem with the microphone, and it sounds like he's on the phone. <laughs> Oh, jeez, big elbow. <laughs> so, as Randy uh, struggles with his mic, and remember we did this live to tape. They did these uh, as they were going. <laughs> but who knows? And Joey Morella, the referee there, a gorilla's son. And uh, they're now talking about uh, Yokozuna, who's going to appear in the show. And also, keep in mind, this show, uh, I I found this interesting and I had even forgotten, but, uh, you know, it was only an hour long. They were on from 9 to 10 at night. And uh, that wouldn't change till 1997, which is, uh, you know, you think about it so long now, boy. And there's a <laughs> brutal clothesline as uh, Rick makes a tag. In comes Scott. Oh, man. There's a junior sample pantsuit. All right. And uh, you'd seen this before, but this guy knew what was coming. The bulldog to the off the top rope. Their signature move at the time as the Steiner brothers. And you can barely hear Randy. Like I said, he sounds like he's on the telephone. And uh, this, of course, yeah, this was also a promotional tool. So where are we going to go? We got to go to... Mean Gene Okerlund, who's going to uh, give us an update on WrestleMania 9, which was uh, on the way. Which was going to be taking place April 4th at Caesars Palace. And we got to get, you know, we got to get, of course, we've got to (laughs) get... Got to get Ico Pro in there, right? Yeah, and this is also a time when when Vegas was pushing the whole family thing. You know, they bring the family to Vegas, which uh, I don't know. I, I never understood that that marketing point, but you know, they still do that. And uh, Gene hawking the tickets for WrestleMania Nine. Which, if you'll remember, I mean, I was gone, and um, Jim Ross would appear on the scene. It's uh, his first appearance, uh, WrestleMania, where he was wearing a toga. And everybody else was wearing a toga. That's one to remember, Bobby Heenan. On a camel. and <laughs> All right, so he's going through the, the, uh, the lineup here, and it's Bret Hart facing Yokozuna for, the, uh, you know, uh, Bret putting the belt on the line. For the uh, WWF Championship. And if you remember. What happened there. A Hulkster. Comes in at the uh, last uh, seconds. And uh, 
grabs the belt. Here's Giant Gonzalez is going to be taking on The Undertaker. And they're really trying hard to, you know, uh, push Giant Gonzalez. And uh, that never, ever, ever worked. Nobody could match Andre the Giant ever. Doink taking on Crush. See, this, you know, uh, this is just showing you, man. This was, this was a time when they were really reaching. You see the lineup that they have, man. It was uh, not great. And then, of course, remember, we'd have uh, Money, Inc. taking on them. Uh, Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. The Mega Maniacs. But there he is, the best ever, Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah, he always even the up even the updates he 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 made great. And uh, you know we uh, all want to make it very authentic, Mister Fuji, even uh, donning the sumo garb, the traditional wear, as Yokozuna who's gigantic, and uh, this was probably when he weighed the least. I mean, he was tipping the scales probably at 450 or so at this point as he's going to take on Ross Greenberg as he's going to uh, destroy. This match doesn't last very long either. As uh, he comes out, Mr. Fuji is manager. We're going to do a little traditional ceremony here. The two uh, supposed geisha, I guess. I don't know what they. And Randy's still working the, the gimmick with the headset. Uh, maybe it's something they had going. I mean, I, I've been at enough of these events to know that they got extra headsets and they could fix these problems. But I guess it was something they had they were uh, working with. And look how big Yoko is, man. He's uh, but that, like I said, I think this is when he weighed the least. I mean, he would get uh, a lot bigger. Now this is uh, an opportunity, and, and we're you know a few months away from uh, WrestleMania, but they really don't talk that much about the, the championship match that he'd be involved in. But rather, hacksaw Jim Duggan who was, uh, you know, at this point, you know, no, nobody had ever knocked Yokozuna off his feet. And Hacksaw did. So, he squares off against Ross Greenberg. And this match, uh, you know, it, it took like a minute here just to get it going, and then the whole match is only... Two minutes, so he, you know, just takes the guy's head off with the clothesline. It's going to slam him down, okay, and put him in position. And they got to get a little, you know, something in here. So they got they they got to show this highlight of uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, geez, that's a big leg. Getting dropped on you, but they say they got a you know they're going to show you the update of uh, hacksaw. 
And Hacksaw, you know, at this point, uh, this is, we're talking 93, kind of gets rele- relegated to kind of mid-card status. Sends him into the corner. It's a big slam into uh, oblivion. <laughs> All right, now he's in the right place. Oh, man. And he didn't uh, pull up much on that one. That guy uh, may have had a few ribs uh, either misplaced, uh, displaced there or <laughs> broken. And he ain't getting up too fast either. You're not breathing at this point. <sighs> With Mr. Fuji in the ring waving the Japanese flag. Oh, it's interesting that they bring these flags in. Oh, jeez. Well, that was more of on his belly. But still, ow. Jeez. Okay, yeah, now uh Randy just went over. So they say that Macho Man Randy Savage just took Bartlett's microphone. There it is, the WWF magazine, if you guys remember back then. And his lordship. What a nice tie you got there going, your lordship. And while Monday Night Raw wasn't as big a commercial, it was still a promotional tool. Just like Superstars and Challenge, we had to get everything in there. And they show uh, showing off uh, Razor Ramon. Shawn Michaels is out there. So his lordship talking about this, as we mentioned before, nobody had uh, knocked Yokozuna off his feet. So in the meantime, they are uh, having house shows out there with Hacksaw taking on Yokozuna. And we've got to get a little, maybe a World War II reference in there. I don't know. As uh, Yoko, big shoulder block, a big tackle there, takes Jim off his feet. And now Hacksaw, got to do it again. Yokozuna, is he going to go? Is he going to go? As he rocked the Yoko, and they go at it again. Hacksaw looking like the offensive tackle. Is Yoko going to go? He goes down. And Yoko sold it well, man. Right? But unfortunately, at this point, you know, Hexner's not getting uh, the big push, and it would, it would, you know, he would kind of get moved down the card, which uh, he was still really, really popular. I mean, look, and uh, Sergeant Slaughter had kind of taken... Uh, some time off here, and so Hacksaw, you know, becoming the real patriot. But it just, uh, you know, he would uh, continue to have a successful career to this day, but he wasn't going to get the big push again ever, not not at the top. 
Yokozuna sets up Jim. And you saw how easy he took it on uh, Jim there. He kind of broke his, when he goes down. Watch what he does. He kind of stops in mid to before he goes down to uh, ease the fall. Hacksaw taken off uh, on a stretcher. See, Sergeant Slaughter at this point, he's in a suit. So he's uh, working backstage, and Hacksaw able to work the American angle. Uh, and uh, it would help him a, a great deal among uh, becoming one of the most popular superstars in the history. You know, to this day, the guy can't go anywhere that people don't chant USA, USA. Yokozuma, he always, I, I don't know, did anyone never correct Mr. Fuji and tell him it was Zuna? Yokozuna. So they were uh, probably, they were doing some house shows together. So this is, they've got this 16-man battle royal. And, and Vince is explaining... So that's kind of, isn't that odd, though, that it's just kind of a weird angle. I mean, they're saying, like, wow, you know, he must be uh, unbelievable, and what a great, uh, you know, superstar he is, and nobody wants to go up against him, but I think it makes those guys look pretty weak. And now they're showing, uh, you know, the brutality of uh, Giant Gonzalez as he brings in this, Hapless jobber. He was a big dude, though. Wow. And an awful, what an awful gimmick suit, right? Having to wear that thing. <laughs> it's like that anatomy man that you see the, you know, they show the body parts. Oh, man. So just destroying uh, these guys and and uh, going for another. So the the angle that go they've got going in this uh, episode of Raw is that you know the biggest and baddest of the WWF. You know we're talking uh, you know all these guys, even uh, you've got all these guys that you're going to see coming out here. Uh, Bob Backlund and Coco Beware and Shawn Michaels and uh, even Typhoon and Kamala. I mean, all these guys that are supposed to be the biggest and baddest of uh, of the WWF are afraid to step into the ring with this new guy, this uh, new giant. So it's uh, weird. And they've got no, uh, you know, specific goal here. I mean, if you win it, it's just... There's there's nothing. So uh, I'm not quite sure. And uh yeah. Gotta push the Ico Pro, right? Gotta push that Ico Pro. We're gonna we've got to do an uh, an episode uh on on uh, the WBF. Um 
Like I know I keep talking about that, but I've got a uh, Gary Strideham and, and get him on. I think he, he said that he would come on. We just got to track him down, but uh, I, I'm, that's going to be a great episode. As the Macho Man Randy Savage got these uh, great spots. I'm glad they kept these spots still in here because uh, Randy Savage really uh, got the stick and ran with it. And man, so we got a wild uh, 15-man battle royal. It's not a 16-man because Giant Gonzalez opts not to uh, get involved because he wouldn't have any opponents, apparently. And you see these Iron Mike Sharp, Tatanka, Kimchi, Terry Taylor even in on this one. The Matador, El Matador, Tito Santana. So, this is just uh, a melee. Terry Taylor, still Terry Taylor here, not uh, the Red Rooster. Which uh, he was not real fond of, as you probably heard over the years. Now, according to these notes, this was the Berserker's last TV appearance. John Nord would uh, soon be gone. And we've got Skinner in there. And she always loves Skinner when he'd uh, have the uh, chewed tobacco drooling down his uh, chin and onto that flannel shirt. And Kamala is in there. Owen Hart, you see in the back. And Bob Backlund. And Kim Chi keeps jumping in and out of the ring. Not quite sure what he's up to. Damian Demento. Also a part of this. So we had a... a this house was packed with superstars. Razor Ramon, you see him over there, Scott Hall. Shawn Michaels just about to go out. As he gets, uh, he's getting, Coco continues to work him over. They're trying to get uh, Terry Taylor out there in the corner. Oh, and Shawn Michaels times it just perfectly, sending Coco out onto the floor, and he's gone. So, Vince teasing uh, the upcoming match that's going to feature the Million Dollar Man and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And, you know, people, even though, uh, and I think everybody was aware that, you know, Brutus was doing these run-ins at the time, he'd have a mask on, but he wasn't doing matches. And, and there was there was concern, a legit concern that um, what would happen, you know, not, not that he would get uh, Typhoon, Fred, Ottman, getting worked over there by Damien Demento, but not not just you know. Let's see if he got struck in the face because you know he had all the all the wiring and uh, screws and everything. That what would happen if he got hit in the face? But also if say he got you know slammed on the back of his head, if it would force that all that uh, work on his face to collapse or something. I mean, there was people that really were af- afraid to work with him. 
because they didn't know what would happen. And I even I think even the doctors told Brutus they didn't, you know, like you are just so fortunate that you got you're alive for one thing, but you have a face back and you could do permanent damage that could affect you for the rest of your life. But Brutus had to make a living. You know, he uh, that was the only thing he really knew and the only thing that was lucrative. So he was willing to take the chance. And, uh, of course, through the help of his friend, Hulk Hogan, who was willing to uh, stand by him in his return to the WWF, uh, he got that shot again, uh, at least for the World Wrestling Federation. It wouldn't last very long. As uh, we'll mention that I, I believe that, you know, this was in February and, uh, you know, he, he would be a participant at WrestleMania 9 with uh, Hulk Hogan as the Mega Maniacs. But by the end of the summer, Brutus is gone and pretty much gone forever. Uh, he would go down, at least with the WWF, but he would go down to the WCW and do uh, a lot of work down there. Skinner taking time out to gloat a little bit. And Typhoon takes full advantage, gets a little forearm to the back of the head, sending Skinner out over the top rope. There goes Demento. I always thought that was a good gimmick. I don't know. It was, call me crazy, but I always thought that, uh, that got over pretty well as they uh, try and get Owen out. Body slam. You know, he was a big dude. I forget how big Berserker was, but man, he was just a massive guy. <laughs> and out goes Owen in his uh, race car genie suit. And Tito Santana. Takes a shot as uh, walks off there as uh, Razor Ramon works on Kamala. They start to whittle this down little by little. Shawn Michaels. It's fun to look at these guys, what they looked like back then. And (laughs) wow, Kamala. Big kick. Sends the berserker over the top rope for his uh, final moments on television with the WWF. Typhoon working on Kamala, trying to get him out. And of course, uh, Kimchi, you know that uh, this is uh, bad blood between these two at this point. But it's Typhoon who stays uh, in between the two. And now Kim Chi comes over to aid Typhoon to knock him out, to take him out of it. And Kim Chi gloating with Kamala. And Kamala goes back in anyway. You know, he's crazy. He's not going to, nothing's going to stop him. And he goes after Kim Chi as a... uh, Continue to battle. Now, he's been eliminated, so I don't know if this counts. Kim Chi, I would believe, would be allowed to stay as Kamala goes after Kim Chi as he goes over the railing and then uh, 
just runs for his life. I'm not sure if the Slick is trying to help him get kimchi or try and keep Kamala from uh, <laughs> from getting to him and what he might do to kimchi. Going right over the chairs, the folks just going uh, crazy here. But this was kind of what was fun about this atmosphere. Like I said, they'd go right in. You know, the crowd is right there on the ring. I mean, they're just right there. And uh, the whole idea of this was to create this very spontaneous atmosphere. And and they did it. I mean, they did. Stuff like that I thought was fun. I I wish uh, they they would, of course, do a lot more of that. But initially, it was just, uh, you know, it it was new. You didn't see stuff like that on Superstars or Challenge. You might, you know, they might once in a while have them go and battle back into the curtain or something. But you didn't see uh, stuff like that where they're going right into the crowd and they have the camera there. And see, you know, they got them chasing you know, in the arena and following him. And this was fun stuff. Love it. I really, I love that stuff. That was just, uh, that was fun. I mean, and, it, and it, you know, and in a way it just involved the crowd even more. Typhoon just working away, and wow. Typhoon, man, that was, uh, he was pounding away on Shawn Michaels, and um, Shawn Michaels lowers the shoulder and takes out the massive Typhoon over the top rope. So now they've uh, they've whittled it down to four. I think a few were, I think Backlund, he must have... Uh, they didn't make any mention, but he must have been uh, thrown out of there somewhere in that uh, melee. But now you've got uh, Tito Santana, Tatanka, Shawn Michaels, and Razor, and they do a little, uh, you know, well, should we team up here and get rid of these guys? And Tatanka. He's got gotten a big push here at this point. I I never like the uh, punch and hit your and smack your foot on the canvas for effect. I guess, but it was just always seems so fakey to me. A lot of these guys, you know, they could have that uh, that smack when they punched on the face. I mean, to me, that was a lot more effective. But I never really understood the punch and the boot on the on the on the canvas. They split off here to Tonka going to work on Shawn Michaels, and then of course. Razor Ramon. Trying to take out. Razor Ramon. Still working. You see in the back there. Tatanka trying to get him out. Flying elbow right to the forehead of uh, Razor Ramon. Tito was a great worker, man. You talk about a good hand, as they say. Boy, he was good. Drop kick by Shawn Michaels. Down goes Tatanka. And Randy Savage, uh, nice to hear that he's in on the commentary. His microphone is working. As he thought Santana was going to pursue him, and he'd go over the top, but Santana's just waiting for him. 
Big sell there from Sean. Oh, man, driving Michael's heart into that turnbuckle. As he doesn't even know where he's it, where he is. He's, he's down the street as far as he knows. As the double team goes on, and they literally kick Sean out of the ring. And Razor biding his time as he comes up behind and starts to work over Tatanka. So now we got Santana, Tatanka, and Razor Ramon in this 16, make that 15 <laughs> battle royal. Look who shows up. The man they did not want to see in this battle royal. And in comes the giant. A double head butt there. And uh, there goes Tatanka. He's gone. Oh, massive chop by Giant Gonzalez. And see you later, Tito. So Razor Ramon is still legal. Not sure where Razor went. But uh, that is one large human being. As Harvey Whippleman prowls at uh, ringside. And Giant Gonzalez and, in, and Razor Ramon comes into the uh, ring and he's the legal man. So what is the decision going to be? I think Razor Ramon is going to win this by default. As Howard makes it official, Razor Ramon, Ramon, got the even the roll of the R's in there. All right, as they wrap this up, and uh, the big uh, featured match of this one is the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, facing Brutus the Barber Beefcake, the returning Brutus the Barber Beefcake, with Jimmy Hart at ringside, and uh, he's managing Ted DiBiase at this point, but turning uh, baby, he's uh, starting to turn here. And the way they're playing this up is that he's, he's, he's worried about Brutus the Barber Beefcake, that uh, Ted DiBiase should take it easy on him because, you know, the guy has a titanium face. And Brett the Hitman Hart uh, will be, uh, was the champion at the time. So they're showing the belt off here. They're uh, the tag team champions, and this is just singles competition for Ted DiBiase. So here comes Brutus. But Jimmy Hart, uh, you know, really took care of whoever they had him managing. Uh, You know, he would... uh, 
have a different jacket for every single one of the guys who's with this one. He's got Money Inc. And uh, DiBiase making reference to his face there. And uh, apparently in this uh, matchup, uh, Jimmy is very worried about Brutus in this encounter because he doesn't want to uh, have Ted DiBiase damage his face. He's got uh, some empathy here for the barber. And as I mentioned at the top of this, this is uh, they're getting this, they're starting to put all this in the works. They're working this angle between uh, Money, Inc., uh, Ted DiBiase, and Brutus, you know, back in action. But they're setting up this angle to, to, between Money, Inc. and uh, Brutus, and then uh, they were going to bring in Hulk, Hogan. So as uh, the Hulkster starts to make his return, and the big match for WrestleMania 9, as he would team up with the Hulkster and become uh, the Mega Maniacs, as they face Money, Inc., And even though, as I said, that uh, Brutus had, you know, had made appearances, this is where he was really just back in the ring, and people were very curious to see how he could wrestle and and how they would, you know, how they would uh, work with him. I mean, would would he take shots to the face? Would they stay clear of that? And they'd like to see what might happen if you know if he landed weird and uh, hurt his face. So. And he's staying clear at this point. But it's it's tough to imagine that not even, you know, it was like uh, even three years before this that uh, he'd had that horrific accident, that terrible accident. And if you remember hearing him describe it, that when that happened, he couldn't, his entire face was collapsed. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't see. And uh, even within three years that he was back in the ring, and it was less than that by a pretty good margin because, as I said, he was making appearances before that. But he needed to work. He needed the income. And this, uh, you know, having uh, the being able to hear these managers at ringside wasn't something new, but the WWF, uh, you know, Love to use that quite a bit. We get right in their faces. But see how close the the crowd is? You can see, I mean, they were really right on top. And they had those balconies up there too, which was kind of cool. Brutus, a couple of big rights. Man, Ted DiBiase is just so good. Goes out over the second rope onto the floor. Not the first time. And uh, Ted DiBiase getting more and more angry. <laughs> and Brutus pretty much on top in this match so far. And Ted DiBiase getting more and more frustrated. So you wonder, okay, what's he going to do now? As now he mounts some offense here. And he was going to try and drive Brutus's face into the top turnbuckle there. But Brutus makes the block and uh, returns the favor. 
grinding in that headlock. And look who shows up at ringside. Erwin R. Scheister. He wants nothing to do with Jimmy, and he's got that Halliburton briefcase. And it's fun to see one of those now because, you know, guys, everybody had those. All the agents had these Halliburton briefcases. And uh, I think most of them had lunch in there or something, but uh, but that was, they were very popular. And so you've got, uh, it was part of a prop for IRS. Of course, he had all of the papers on, uh, you know, the dirt he had on all the wrestlers and what tax cheats they are. And then right there, uh, would often use it as a weapon, drives a, that Halliburton right into the back of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And uh, obviously, Ted DiBiase don't care if he's going to lose this one because they're going to take it out on Brutus. As Jimmy gets in and trying to, you know, trying to make him stop. As they uh, stomp away on uh, the barber. Working the angle because guess who would end up managing the Mega Maniacs? As they take a quick time out here. Wait a minute. Nope. Oh, they're not done yet. They're not done with uh, yet. And he's holding them up and he wants to. And Jimmy tries to get between them because he knows what he has in mind. He wants to smash the face that take that briefcase and smash it right into Brutus's face. And Jimmy's saying no. Uh, and, and IRS tell him, get the hell out of the way. It's like, what are you doing? How could you do this? And again, Jimmy Hart getting in the way. And he just tosses Jimmy right out of the ring. That could be the break between Jimmy Hart and IRS. And they smash him right in the side of the head. And that was a, that was a pretty good collision. And they <laughs> wondering if they're going to show a replay. Because everybody wanted to see how, how much did they hit him. But there was really no way for Brutus to know how that would hold up. Because I know he says the doctors even told him they didn't know. They really didn't. They didn't usually have people get that kind. And then it was a, a first-of-its-kind operation in the first place. Uh, just an incredible operation. And uh, they didn't know how it would hold up just as a, as a normal, <laughs> just for normal life. But, but becoming a wrestler and going into the ring and, and taking bumps, they had no clue. Ted DiBiase trying to deliver another one. And, and Jimmy, again, gets in there between them. As Ted DiBiase and IRS celebrate the carnage they leave behind. And Jimmy Hart now coming to the aid of uh, Brutus Beefcake. And uh, I think that that would signify the, the end of that relationship he would have with Money Incorporated. 
Ted DiBiase and IRS as they head back into the backstage area. But it was almost a little too easy, right? A little too much. I mean, you would think it would have taken a little longer, a little more, but looks like they wanted to wrap it all up. Because when was Jimmy Hart ever, ever concerned for anybody's well-being, really? <laughs> like, So stretcher comes out, then you know it's serious, right? I always love the way they put people on stretchers back then. They just like keep, they'd roll them. <laughs> like, I mean, I was never, I'm not a EMT, but I don't think that's the way you, you do it. And uh, Jimmy Hart, very, very concerned. Brutus the Barber Beefcake and what, uh, oh, we got a little juice even. Wow. All right, here's the shot. Let's, and we get to see it in slow motion. I'll watch the, uh, it would be, yeah, well, it was still, it, may, it wasn't full on, but he had to take a, some of the brunt of that blow. Oh, yeah. So they pulled that one off, man. That was good. And uh, Vince reporting that uh, he's going to be okay. May have a broken nose. Well, would would you be surprised? Because uh, you might see him next week. There's a start to lay the groundwork. So maybe Hulk Hogan even. Oh, we've got a six-man tag coming up. Tonka to Tonka and the Nasty Boys. Is that right? What that was that? What I did I hear that correctly? <laughs> All righty. There you go. See, I like these. Uh, nice, quick hour of uh, action. Not even, not even, because you had if you were, uh, you know, include the commercials in there is about uh, another fifteen minutes. So you're talking forty something minutes, forty five minutes of uh, programming there with the episode of uh, Monday Night Raw from February fifteenth, nineteen ninety three, and uh, you know. Not a bad episode, right? Not bad, because uh, you've got, uh, you know, there's a lot in there. Uh, the uh, the 16-man Battle Royal uh, was uh, kind of worthless, but at the same time, it gave everybody a chance there to see all of these superstars that they loaded it up with. And uh, they had a lot, a lot of uh, big names that were in that uh, in that uh, ring for that matchup. It lasted uh, about 15 minutes, I believe. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't wasn't awful. It wasn't uh, you got to you know see a lot of these guys do a little bit of work. Uh, the end was kind of pointless. And then, of course, uh, who didn't know that you were going to see Giant Gonzalez somehow make an appearance? So I said it was just kind of weird that they did that, where the guys were afraid of him. You think that they could have, I don't know, come up with something else? 
But it's it was fun to see these guys that uh, that you've got you know uh, Sean Michaels in this and also Bob Backlund, uh, Coco Beware we saw, uh, Damian Demento, uh, Kamala Typhoon. Um, we had, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember them all. Owen was in there. Uh, he was the rocket at the time. Um, I just didn't, hated that outfit that they had him wearing. Uh, the Berserker was, uh, in there as well. Uh, did I mention Typhoon? Typhoon is, uh, was in it. Uh, let's see, Sean, uh, I mean, I mentioned Sean, uh, Razor Ramon, the, uh, Matador, El Matador, Tito Santana, Tatanka. So these were the, the big names of the times. And uh, as I said before, you know, it was just a really, really weird time in the uh, in the WWF and, you know, really in the world of professional wrestling because the WCW wasn't faring uh, much better. I mean, down there you'd had, uh, you know, a lot happening on uh, with uh, you know, some of the things that were going on with that uh, that outfit. And then you've got, uh, you know, uh, um, Eric Bischoff taking over. It was just a very strange time in the world of professional wrestling, but uh, as we would see within the next uh, you know five years, it, everything would just change forever, uh, you know, because that was what was going on. It was uh, a kind of a you know, as they say, it goes up and down in this business, and this was definitely a downtime, and uh, you know, just some disastrous things. They say you know, Hulk Hogan would come in. Come back in, and uh, Brutus hoping to get another push with the WWF, but he would last uh, into the summer. You know, after WrestleMania, he really wouldn't be on TV, and would do a bunch of house shows before I think he would leave in July, even. So he wasn't going to be there for many months after this, and would end up going down south to the uh, WCW. But uh, just kind of a just really really weird. Um, Tell you, you know, Bill Watts was running the WCW before that, and uh, some comments that he had made, uh, you know, became public. Sounds familiar from the, these days, right? From stuff that he had said in the past. And uh, Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron, uh, the home run king um, uh, at the time, um, you know, uh, he had made a uh, had gone public about how offended he was by this and uh, Bill Watts ends up getting fired and uh, people thought that Tony Schiavone was going to take over and this is when you know a big upheaval there but alas as uh, we know all know that uh, Eric Bischoff who was you know really just uh, an announcer he was like me or or Gene um, would get the job and uh, one of the first things Eric would do is he would Push out Jim Ross, who would uh, take a buyout and then would head uh, head north to work with the WWF and spend many many years there, and uh, you know find uh, new new success. And of course, we know uh, you know that uh, boy he was a big part of the World Wrestling Federation. It's hard to think that even back back then he hadn't uh, made his made his trip there, but. Um, you know, it was just going to be a crazy time. And it certainly was. And things have to get worse before they get better. And they, they got worse. It was just not good. WrestleMania 9 was just, uh, boy, not one of the greatest WrestleManias. But, uh, it, you know, everything would change. Everything would change soon after that. Right? 
Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Monday Night Raw from February, uh, was it 14th? <laughs> I almost forgot. Um, yeah, it took, took place on, uh, on February 15th. Sorry about that. Um, 1993. And uh, as the franchise would grow, this, uh, the, you know, it's, it was so early in, in Monday Night Raw then, and I don't remember what the, uh, the ratings were. But uh, they were, were good enough to keep the show around, and they believed in it, and uh, it would become what it is, uh, one of the longest-running episodic uh, programs in the history of television. Well, back then, who, uh, you know, who, who would have predicted that? Because, uh, you know, although it was different, it was new, um, who would have thought that it would be around so many years later and have uh, turned into what it, what it is to this day? But uh, just uh, fun to go back and, and watch these. And I always like, I love seeing the promos that, that you know, that's kind of a personal thing for me. But, uh, you know, all the stuff that we used to push between, uh, you know, they would have the updates and the, uh, the other uh, promos that we did for WrestleMania. And then, of course, we would push the WWF magazine. And then this is when IcoPro was uh, still around, the WBF and the, and the bodybuilders. And, man, yeah. Strange days indeed. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, folks, you know, uh, we've got a lot going on with Prime Time. On Mondays, uh, you catch uh, these episodes of Classics that uh, drop every Monday. And then on Wednesday, a brand new original episode of Prime Time with Sean Mooney. We'll have a new one this Wednesday. And then, of course, on Saturday, we have the Vault episodes that uh, we, all, we have a lot of fun with uh, getting those rolled back out and you... Uh, turning people on to some of these episodes they may have missed from our library. That's every Saturday, and they all drop at 6 a.m. Eastern time. So uh, check those out. We'd love to have you join us um, on our Patreon uh, account, our Patreon membership. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney, patreon.com slash primetimemooney. For as little as $4.99, you get all of that content, content early and ad-free. Early and ad-free. Also, you can become a Mooney. Or, of course, a Legion of Who member uh, for uh, some of the other great perks. Um, also, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and, and uh, Instagram, at Primetime Mooney. And uh, we'd love to you know, check out some of our stuff on uh, YouTube. We've got uh, Primetime Mooney. Just go to uh, YouTube and plug in Primetime Mooney. And uh, you can check out uh, all the episodes we have there. We have those put down to clips. So, like, if you're certain things you just want to hear about, uh, some of the, the great moments that we've had on Primetime, uh, you can check those out on YouTube and a few other videos that we've put up. So uh, go to uh, Primetime Mooney on, uh, on your, uh, our YouTube channel and subscribe. Love to have you do that. And, of course, we'd always love to uh, get uh, some more ratings. Uh, that can always help, as uh, you've heard us say many, many times, if you uh, download uh, uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney on iTunes, just go there and uh, give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing and also a review. Uh, that would be much appreciated. All right. Uh, don't miss our episode this Wednesday, original one coming up. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. Have a great one.